five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're talking with Ryan Wallman today. He's a creative guy in Australia. And we, I don't think, I think you're the first one we've ever interviewed from down under. I'm pretty sure uh, about that. Yeah. I feel, I feel honored. <laughs> but I, I, I've, I featured a few of Ryan's articles that I thought were very, very well done. And I've read a few more of them now. And so I wanted to get Ryan's take, especially on why marketers go after shiny objects. Uh, sure. Well, thank, thanks for having me, firstly. Um, so, yeah, so I'm creative director uh, and head of copy. That is my official title uh, at Wellmark. Uh, we're a healthcare marketing agency in Melbourne, uh, in Australia, as you uh, just mentioned. Um, I've been there a very long time, <laughs> longer than sort of most people uh, in this industry would stay in a, in a single at a single place. Um, but yeah, so I've been working in healthcare communications for fifteen years, um, <clears throat> and I suppose as you've kind of touched on there, uh, I. I've sort I've got a bit of a reputation, I suppose, <laughs> as a bit of a marketing contrarian. Um, I'm fairly uh, uh, visible on Twitter and LinkedIn and so on um, for my uh, for my takes on uh, where the marketing industry seems to be heading and and uh, as you've just mentioned, you know the, our infatuation i guess you'd say with with some of the the latest trends and the shiny new things so yeah well i saw it, your your first article on linkedin the oldest one that i could find um was talking about how marketers describe their marketing companies with a string of not well understood or defined creative words mm -hmm. And and uh, I loved your your diagram uh, about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which actually I think is one of the more intelligent uh, pieces of work. I have read the book and the and the movie. Really enjoyed the 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 old one, not the new one. In <laughs> yeah. in the sense of what you know, when you find out what was going on at the end, where he he just wants to find a decent you know someone decent to give everything to, and. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it's all a game all the way through. It's all a game. And I really love that. I love that picture of reality because that could be what we're, that could be what we're in. You know, we could be in a giant simulation. And yeah. And I, think, I, I mean, that was my point with that, uh, with that little table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that was absolutely my point was that, you know, that was actually really well done. Um, and and almost the you know it was antithetical to what we see in uh, in marketing a lot these days, which is kind of you know bluff and nonsense and um, stuff that purports to be intelligent, but it you know it really isn't. So so that's why I call I think I called it the pretension trap um, that that sort of a lot of marketers fall into. So yeah, every few days I get a, I get an introduction from someone on LinkedIn about their company. And it's, you know, unique and creative and mm -hmm. high quality and, and they string yeah. them all together. Um, you know, not only is a lot of it nonsensical and, and incomprehensible to, to most people, but it's also what everyone else is saying. And so, 
it's not even differentiating because um, you know all of the a lot of companies are saying the same thing. So then the next article I read was about big data, and I really liked that one. You know that data is self-revealing, which is just silly. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of people in um, in marketing sadly haven't had an education in statistics or you know they don't really understand the difference between correlation and causation there's you know i mean obviously the vanity metrics thing in social media is a huge issue uh so yeah there's a lot of data out there that um that marketers are using as a crutch uh which doesn't really mean anything you know it's <laughs> and, it's, I, I, and it's informing a lot of decisions that um that are the wrong ones yeah it's a bit depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but but of the three, my very favorite was the acronyms that marketers need to know. Yeah, right, and my, yeah. And my favorite of their of those was CTI. Call to inaction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I did some work for Oakley Sunglasses. Have you they handed me a mailing piece? They were gonna try direct mail and they handed me a mailing piece. And I said, there's no call to action. There's no way to, there's no way for someone to respond to that. And they yeah. opened it up and they showed me an inside copy block about this big. And they had a phone number in there about, you know, in regular body copy type. And it's like, there it yeah. is right there. I said, no, that doesn't count. It touches on uh, something that I don't know. Do you know Drayton Bird? He often, he has an email series that he sends out. And, and one of his major themes is that often people forget to ask for a sale you know they forget to remind people that you know just ask them whether they want to buy and and uh yeah so call to action is uh is a very prominent theme among uh his emails but yeah it's it's amazing how often it seems to be forgotten i do want to hear more about what you do for um medical mark do you have any data or do you, i mean how do you approach medical uh marketing yeah, well, I think you've touched on a couple of things there. So first of all, yeah, you're right that the US and New Zealand are effectively, well, as far as I know, in, in certainly in the markets that we've ever worked in, those are the two that allow, <laughs> those are the two that allow uh, direct marketing to consumers. Yeah. So uh, market, marketing of pharmaceutical products to, um, to the general public. Right. Um, that is not allowed in Australia. So we can only market to, you know, we can only market branded pharmaceutical products to healthcare professionals. Anything that goes to consumers has to be unbranded. So that can only be disease awareness, so-called. Um, so, you know, you can raise awareness of a particular um, condition for which, you know, for which a pharmaceutical product okay. is used. And then ask and your then, doctor and, for more information. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. So so that's how it works. And then, you know, but then obviously, you know, the marketing can, uh, the branded marketing um, will go out to the doctor um, and you hope that, you know, there's a, a sort of a meeting in the middle um, where uh, well, people will ask their doctor about the condition and the doctor will have seen the branded product marketing um, and say, well, you know, they'll recommend that product. So that's pretty much how it works here. Um, I will say that uh, having recently worked with a New Zealand company, uh, pharmaceutical company, we have done some consumer advertising for uh, a product over there, which was, which was, uh, you know, it was such a, a different thing to be able to do that it's, you know, remarkable and really liberating in some ways. 
Um, but I have to, I do have to say that it's definitely not a free for all. <laughs> right. They still have, I'm sure they it's still not. have, yeah, they still have pretty strict regulations on what you can and can't say. You know, the tone of of the advertising and so on. Um, so yeah, it's definitely not a free for all. And and as you've also touched on there, um, you also have to. There are lots of caveats that you have to include in your advertising. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I know what you mean. I've seen some of the, seen some of those US ads, uh, you know, and there's a there's a striking contrast between what they're saying in the ads and and kind of the disclaimer at the end. Um, so it's an interesting dichotomy there. Um, but yeah, look, regulation is a really tricky beast in in medical marketing. Obviously, um, it's something that we kind of deal with every day, really, uh, and. What I think, I, I, my second point was around the creative aspect of it, which is, you know, and again, you, you've alluded to it there, which is there tends to be a sort of a genericization of pharmaceutical advertising where you get a lot of smiling, happy stock photo type imagery and so on, um, because that's what, uh, well, partly I think it's what comes out of, um, the pharmaceutical approval process, but also yeah, and the briefs. Uh, <laughs> we want everybody to look happy, even though yeah, yeah, and but also because that's kind of the tradition in pharmaceutical advertising, and I think you know you, I think clients and and agencies to some extent um, gravitate towards what they have seen. Um, so so that yeah, sort of there's a bit of a normalised distribution or yeah. something that that happens, but. Which is why when you see really good pharmaceutical advertising and healthcare advertising, it really stands out. And, and that's actually been happening a lot more in the last few years. Um, there has, you know, there's been there's been a real lift in the standard of creativity. So so that's you know, that's promising. So so what does good look like? Uh well, I think to some extent what I've what I've just touched on there, which is kind of um, breaking category conventions. You know, when you, when you see something that's completely different from pharmaceutical advertising, it really stands out and, uh, you know, gets your attention and does all those things that, you know, good advertising should do, you know, advertising in a general sense. Yeah. Well, I was a big fan of David Ogilvy and his book, Confessions of an Ad Man. And he said, if you're advertising in kidney ailment or incontinence or something, put it in the headline. And I yeah. did get a chance to work with uh, Mary and Merrill Dow on when Cardizim was going generic. And uh, I ran the numbers for and, and set up the test grid um, with Leo Burnett, which was yeah. a lot of fun. And uh, but I offered him a, a, a proposed test headline, which was Cardizim users read this ad or drop dead. <laughs> That's That'll get think, your attention. I think you would have really, I think you would have pulled a lot of leads. You know, I think we would have gone crazy with that, but they didn't No, They didn't think that would be, that would be. I, <laughs> I've been there, John. I've been there. <laughs> I think we we, we could have tested it, you know, on a small number. It would have been a lot of fun, but no, they, they weren't, fun. they weren't that much fun, but we ended a lot up. Of, I'm sorry. I was going to, yeah. Pharmaceutical companies aren't known for being fun. Generally speaking, but yeah, yeah no, there are exceptions. Well, I mean, that's what they were telling me, you know, in the briefs and stuff, they were saying, well, you know, we have all this quality control. And if, 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 if Cardizim goes generic, then anybody can get it anywhere and maybe even over the counter. And if they miss, 
you know, they misuse it, it you can you can die. So mm -hmm. I was just taking what they said and boiling it down yeah. in a simple way. Always, <laughs> right? always, always good to you know paraphrase what what people have said. Yeah, but part of part of what we were doing was we were testing media, mass media, against mail. Uh, this was before digital. Um, yeah. And yeah. it turned out that mail. We had a, a number of mass media channels, but it turned out that mail was the by far the best because in those days. The U.S. marketed just like you said, where, you know, whatever you talked about, it would it was then see your doctor. And uh -huh. because this was so serious, I mean, that was their whole company was Cartizen, which is anti-angina medicine. Yeah. Because of that, they uh, they wanted to get to the consumer directly. And what we found was that mail was way more cost effective than media in yeah. terms of the cost per lead and the effectiveness then of people writing for information and, and all that. And so what, what media do you, do you guys use? What are you mostly digital these days or, or what? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. Um, because of the fact that, you know, I think generally speaking, healthcare is a bit of a laggard when it comes to you know embracing digital technology and and doctors in particular so i it it has changed quite a lot in the last few years i would say um but you know a few years ago we were still we were still sending well, not even not even a few years ago even a couple of years ago we were sending out faxes to gp surgeries yeah. and it was um, and it was a, you know, it was the most, in some yeah. cases, it was the most effective channel that we, that we had. You know, we were getting better responses from fax, fax mailers um, sure. than anything else. Uh, which people, uh, we've we've said this to clients, and they just they literally don't believe us, but but it's true. So yeah, look, direct mail is still we still use it a lot. Uh, oh, for, good. For GPs and specialists, but like physical direct mail. Sure. Um, it's still an effective channel. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we we do EDMs. We do you know a lot more digital media now, obviously. Um, but wait, yeah, wait. Mail. What's an EDM? Oh, sorry, electronic direct mail. Yeah. So uh, yeah, basically. Uh, but I mean, they vary in their level of complexity. You know, technological complexity. Um, but, uh, yeah, we do ADNs, we do, you know, trade advertising, all the sort of, I mean, kind of adaptations of what we have always done, really. Um, you know, the trade advertising now is generally digital rather than being sort of physical printed journals and so on. Um, so it's, it's, it's oh, really right, that way. Yes. Yes. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, conference advertising, um, conference sponsorship, it's, it's really all the stuff that we used to do, but, but kind of digitized. <laughs> generally speaking so, yeah. yeah you can you can do pretty much all of it although yeah. now what's interesting in the u.s i don't know if you i didn't know this i just found it out a few weeks ago i was in the airport sort of stuck waiting for the plane and another uh, person that i'd met at a conference was also there and so we got to talking and she said that now with covid and other things the pharmaceutical companies the 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 doctors put in you know the patients names electronically they put in the prescriptions electronically and so now that information is required to be shared with the pharmaceutical department uh, companies 
for their studies and you know uh, other things. And so she, her printing company specializes in mailings to the to the uh, patient regarding wow. drug information. And right. it's sort of like you know if you if you own a car and they they say it needs a recall. Yeah. You know, yeah. Somebody better know who bought those who or who owns that kind of car. And but she said the problem is is that she handles millions of PDFs with precise health information and a person's name. And she's expected yeah. to print those and she's expected to accept liability of them being right because there's privacy violations. And if she sure. gets if somebody says, well, I got this and I've never taken this medication, and maybe they don't remember, I don't know, but yeah. they can they can complain. Her whole business is in jeopardy with yeah. Yeah. With, with the way they wrote these led this legislation. She's liable. The pharmaceutical company who may have sent her the wrong thing or the data processor uh, are not as directly liable as she is because she's doing the last step. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think that's analogous to uh, a situation that we have had in the past where we've managed patient support programs yeah. um, for, for particular uh, pharmaceutical products. And so we've been in receipt of patient data to, you know, to some extent, not sort of sensitive patient data. Particularly, Whether but, you want it or not, right? Yeah, kind of. And and so, you know, we've, we've had to increase our insurance and so on and, you know, potentially liable for for the sort of information that um, an agency like ours, you know, should never really be liable for. So, yeah, it's a very tricky once you once you start getting into patient information, it's it's tricky. It's very tricky. <laughs> yeah, it's light for you, isn't it? Yeah. But I really appreciate you taking time like this. And uh, yeah. do you know do you know no. Mark Ritson by any chance? Melbourne is I, too far from Tasmania, uh, which is where I think he lives. Yeah, I know Mark very well. He was uh, he was my lecturer. I went to Melbourne Business School about ten okay. years ago. He was my lecturer there, uh, and we stayed in touch. And um, he's actually referred a few clients to me. And yeah, I've, we've met up at a couple of conferences and stuff. Yeah, no, I know him well. I love Mark. <laughs> oh, he is my very very favorite commentator. This won't be in there, I'm sure, but. Uh, he's fantastic. He is his articles. I don't, I don't all, I don't do a hundred percent of them, but I do about eighty percent of his articles. I feature uh, on my yeah. daily show. Yeah, and he's really <laughs> insightful. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. You know, I would love to meet him sometime. I always tag him, but he doesn't comment. I wish he would. You know, but, he's yeah. he's a very he's a very funny man. He's hilarious. He is. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. And thank you again, Ryan, <laughs> for being on the show. Yeah, that sounds like an overstatement. But yeah, sure. I shall share. I'm serious about it. I think if people would watch this, they'd get smarter. <laughs> well, maybe a tiny bit. I'd say. <laughs>